Stepping into Shakespeare presents Twelfth Night by William Shakespeare Act One If music be the food of love, play on. Give me excess of it, that surfeiting the appetite may sicken, and so die. That strain again, it had a dying fall. Oh, it came o'er my ear like the sweet sound that breathes upon a bank of violets, stealing and giving odor. Enough, no more. Tis not so sweet now as it was before. O oh, spirit of love, how quick and fresh art thou, that notwithstanding thy capacity receiveth as the sea, nought enters there of what validity and pitch soe'er, but falls into abatement and low price, even in a minute. So full of shapes is fancy, that it alone is high fantastical. Oh, when mine eyes did see Olivia first, methought she purged the air of pestilence. How now? What news from her? So please, my lord, I might not be admitted, but from her handmaid do return this answer. The element itself, till seven years' heat, shall not behold her face at ample view. But, like a cloistress, she will veiled walk and water once a day her chamber round with eye-offending brine. All this to season a brother's dead love, which she would keep fresh and lasting in her sad remembrance. Oh, she that hath a heart of that fine frame to pay this debt of love but to a brother, how will she love? when the rich golden shaft have killed the flock of all affections else that live in her, when liver, brain, and heart, these sovereign thrones, are all supplied, and filled her sweet perfections with one self-king. Away before me to sweet beds of flowers, love-thoughts lie rich when canopied with bowers. Country friends is this? This is Illyria, lady. And what should I do in Illyria? My brother, he's in Elysium. Perchance he is not drowned. It is perchance that you yourself were saved. Oh, my poor brother. And so perchance may he be. True, madam. And to comfort you with chance, assure yourself, after our ship did split, when you and those poor numbers saved with you hung on our driving boat, I saw your brother, most provident in peril, bind himself, courage and hope both teaching him the practice, to a strong mast that lived upon the sea. 
where like Orion on the dolphin's back, I saw him hold acquaintance with the waves, so long as I could see. For saying so, there's gold. Mine own escape unfoldeth to my hope, whereto thy speech serves for authority the like of him. Knowest thou this country? Why, madam, well, for I was bred and born not three hours' travel from this very place. Who governs here? A noble duke, in nature as in name. Orsino is his name. Orsino? I have heard my father name him. He was a bachelor then. And so is now, or was so very late, though now he seeks the love of fair Olivia. What's she? A virtuous maid, the daughter of a count that died some twelve months since, then leaving her in the protection of his son, her brother, who shortly also died, for whose dear love they say she hath abjured the company and sight of men. Oh, that I served that lady. That were hard to compass, because she will admit no kind of suit. No, not the Duke's. I will believe thou hast a mind that suits with this thy fair and outward character. I prithee, and I'll pay thee bounteously, conceal me what I am and be my aid, for such disguise as haply shall become the form of my intent. I'll serve this Duke. Thou shalt present me as a eunuch to him. It may worth thy pains. What else may hap to time I will commit, only shape thou silence to my wit. Be you his eunuch, and your mute I'll be. When my tongue blabs, then let mine eyes not see. I thank thee. Lead me on. What a plague means, my niece, to take the death of her brother thus. I'm sure care's an enemy to life. By my troth, Sir Toby, you must come in earlier, O knights. Your cousin, my lady, takes great exceptions to your ill hours. That coffin and drinking will undo you. I heard my lady talk of it yesterday, and of a foolish knight that you brought in one night here to be her wooer. Who? Sir Andrew Aguecheek? Aye, he. Why, he has three thousand ducats a year. Aye, but I have but a year in all these ducats. He's a very fool and a prodigal. Well, fie that you'll say so. He plays the viol de gamboys and speaks three or four languages, word for word, without book, and hath all the good gifts of nature. He hath indeed almost natural, for besides that he's a fool, he's a great quarreller, and moreover, he's drunk nightly in your company. We're drinking healths to my niece. I'll drink to her as long as there's a passage in my throat and drink in Illyria. He's a coward and a coistrel that will not drink to my niece till his brains turn at the toe like a parish top. What, wench? Castigliano Volgo, for here comes Sir Andrew Aguface. Sir Toby Belch. How now, Sir Toby Belch? Sweet Sir Andrew. Bless you, fair shrew. And you too, sir. A cost, Sir Andrew, a cost. What's that? My niece's chambermaid. Ah, good mistress, a cost. I desire better acquaintance. My name is Mary, sir. Oh, good mistress, Mary Acost. You the mistake, knight. Acost is front her, board her, woo her, assail her. By my twaff, I would not undertake her in this company. Is that the meaning of Acost? Fare you well, gentlemen. And now let's part so, Sir Andrew. Would thou might never draw sword again? And you part so, mistress. I would I might never draw sword again. Fair lady... Do you think you have fools in hand? 
Sir, I have you not by the hand. Marry, but you shall have, and here's my hand. Now, sir, thought is free. I pray you bring your hand to the buttery bar and let it drink. Uh, wherefore, sweetheart, what's your metaphor? It's dry, sir. Why? I think so. I am not such an ass, but I can keep my hand dry. But what's your jest? It's a dry jest, sir. Are you full of them? Aye, sir. I have them at my fingers' ends. Marry, now I let go of your hand. I am barren. Ah, oh, night, thou lackest a cup of canary. <laughs> when did I see thee so put down? Never in your life, I think. Unless you see canary put me down, methinks sometimes I have no more wit than a Christian or an ordinary man has. But I am a great eater of beef, and I believe that does harm to my wit. No question. And I thought that. I'd forswear it. I'll ride home tomorrow, Sir Toby. Pourquoi, my dear knight? What is pourquoi? Do or not do? I would I had bestowed that time in the tongues that I have in fencing, dancing and bear-baiting. Oh, had I but followed the arts. Then hadst thou an excellent head of hair. Why, would that have mended my hair? Pass question, for thou seest it would not curl by nature. But it becomes me well enough, dost not? Excellent. It hangs like flax on a distaff, and I hope to see a hussif take thee between her legs and spin it off. Faith, I'll home tomorrow, Sir Toby. Your niece will not be seen, or if she be, it's four to one she'll none of me. The Count himself here hard by woos her. She'll none of the Count. She'll not match above her degree, neither in estate, years, nor wit. I've heard her swear it. Tut, there's life in it, man. I'll stay a month longer. I am a fellow of the strangest mind in the world. I delight in masks and revels, sometimes all together. What is thy excellence in a galliard knight? Faith, I can cut a caper. And I can cut the mutton to it. And I think I have the back trick simply as strong as any man in Illyria. Wherefore are these things hid? Wherefore are these gifts a curtain before them? Why dost thou not go to church in a galliard and come home in a caranto? My very walk should be a jig. Shall we set about some wevels? What shall we do else? Let me see thee, caper. Ah, 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 excellent! If the Duke continue these favours towards you, Cesario, you are like to be much advanced. He hath known you but three days, and already you are no stranger. You either fear his humour or my negligence, that you call in question the continuance of his love. Is he inconstant, sir, in his favours? No. Believe me. Where is Cesario? On your attendance, my lord, here. Stand you a while aloof. Cesario, thou knowest no less but all. I have unclasped to thee the book even of my secret soul. Therefore, good youth, address thy gate unto her. Be not denied access. Stand at her doors and tell them. There thy fixed foot shall grow till thou have audience. Sure, my noble lord, if she be so abandoned to her sorrow, as it is spoke, she never will admit me. Be clamorous, and leap all civil bounds, rather than make unprofited return. Say I do speak with her, my lord, what then? Oh, then unfold the passion of my love. Surprise her with discourse of my dear faith. It shall become thee well to act my woes. She will attend it better in thy youth 
than in annuncios of more grave aspect. I think not so, my lord. Dear lad, believe it. For they shall yet belie thy happy years that say thou art a man. Diana's lip is not more smooth and rubious. Thy small pipe is as the maiden's organ, shrill and sound, and all is semblative a woman's part. I know thy constellation is right apt for this affair. Prosper well in this, and thou shalt live as freely as thy lord, to call his fortunes thine. I'll do my best to woo your lady. Yet a baffle strife, whoe'er I woo, myself would be his wife. Nay, either tell me where thou hast been, or I will not open my lips so wide as a bristle may enter in way of thy excuse. My lady will hang thee for thy absence. Let her hang me. Many a good hanging prevents a bad marriage. If Sir Toby would leave drinking, thou wert as witty a piece of Eve's flesh as any in Illyria. Peace, ye rogue, no more, o' oh that. Here comes my lady. Make your excuse wisely, you were best. Wit, and be thy will, put me into good fooling. For what says Quenapolis? Better a witty fool than a foolish wit. God bless thee, lady. Take away the fool. Do you not hear, fellows? Take away the lady. Go to, you're a dry fool. I'll know more of you. Besides, you grow dishonest. Two faults, Madonna, that drink and good counsel will amend. For give the dry fool drink, then is the fool not dry. Bid the dishonest man mend himself. If he mend, he is no more dishonest. The lady bade take away the fool, therefore I say again, take her away. Sir, I bade them take away you. Miss Prisian in the highest degree. Lady, Cucullus non facit monicum. That's as much to say as I wear not motley in my brain. By my honour, half drunk. Tis a gentleman here. A plague of these pickle herring. How now, sot? Good Sir Toby. Cousin, cousin, how have you come so early by this lechery? Lechery? I defy lechery. There's one at the gate. Oh, Mary, what is he? Let him be the devil and he will. I care not. Give me faith, say I. Well, it's all one. Madam, yon young fellow swears he will speak with you. I told him you were sick. He takes on him to understand so much and therefore comes to speak with you. Tell him he shall not speak with me. Has been told so, and he says... He'll stand at your door like a sheriff's post and be the supporter to a bench, but he'll speak with you. What kind o' oh man is he? Why, of mankind? What manner of man? A very ill manner. He'll speak with you, will you or no. Of what personage and years is he? Not yet old enough for a man, nor young enough for a boy. As a squash is before tis a peace cod, or a codling when tis almost an apple. "'Tis with him in standing water between boy and man. "'He is very well-favoured, and he speaks very shrewishly. "'One would think his mother's milk were scarce out of him.' "'Let him approach. Call him my gentlewoman.' 
Gentlewoman, my lady calls. Give me my veil. Come, throw it o'er my face. We'll once more hear Orsino's embassy. The honourable lady of the house, which is she? Speak to me. I shall answer for her. Your will? Most radiant, exquisite, and unmatchable beauty. (laughs) I pray you, tell me if this be the lady of the house, for I never saw her. I would be loath to cast away my speech, for besides that it is excellently well penned, I have taken great pains to con it. Whence came you, sir? I can say little more than I have studied, and that question's out of my part. Good gentle one, give me modest assurance if you be the lady of the house, that I may proceed in my speech. Are you a comedian? No, my profound heart, and yet by the very fangs of malice I swear I am not that I play. Are you the lady of the house? If I do not usurp myself, I am. Most certain if you are she, you do usurp yourself. For what is yours to bestow is not yours to reserve. But this, for my commission, I will on with my speech in your praise and then show you the heart of my message. Come to what is important in it. I forgive you the praise. Alas, I took great pains to study it, and tis poetical. It is the more like to be faint. I pray you, keep it in. I heard you were saucy at my gates, and allowed your approach rather to wonder at you than to hear you. If you be not mad, be gone. If you have reason, be brief. Tis not that time of moon with me to make one in so skipping a dialogue. Will you hoist sail, sir? Here lies your way. No, good swabber, I am to hull here a little longer. Some mollification for your giant, sweet lady. Tell me your mind. I am a messenger. Sure, you have some hideous matter to deliver, when the courtesy of it is so fearful. Speak your office. It alone concerns your ear. I bring no overture of war, no taxation of homage. I hold the olive in my hand. My words are as full of peace as matter. Yet you begin rudely. What are you? What would you? The rudeness that hath appeared in me I have learned from my entertainment. What I am and what I would are as secret as maidenhead. To your ears, divinity. To any others, profanation. Give us the place alone. We will hear this divinity. Now, sir, what is your text? Most sweet lady. A comfortable doctrine, and much may be said of it. Where lies your text? In Orsino's bosom. In his bosom? In what chapter of his bosom? To answer by the method in the first of his heart. Oh, I have read it. It's heresy. Have you no more to say? Good madam, let me see your face. Have you any commission from your lord to negotiate with my face? You are now out of your text. But we will draw the curtain and show you the picture. Look you, sir. Such a one I was this present. Is not well done? Excellently done, if God did all. This ingrain, sir, twill endure wind and weather. Tis beauty truly blent, whose red and white nature's own sweet and cunning hand laid on. Lady, you are the cruelest she alive. If you will lead these graces to the grave and leave the world no copy. Oh, sir, I will not be so hard-hearted. I will give you out diverse catchels of my beauty. It shall be inventoried, and every particle and utensil labelled to my will, as 
item, two lips, indifferent red, item, two grey eyes with lids to them, item, one neck, one chin, and so forth. Were you sent hither to praise me? I see what you are. You are too proud. But if you were the devil, you are fair. My lord and master loves you. How such love could be but recompensed, though you were crowned the non-pareil of beauty. How does he love me? With adorations, fertile tears, with groans that thunder love, with sighs of fire. Your lord does know my mind. I cannot love him. Yet I suppose him virtuous, know him noble, of great estate, of fresh and stainless youth, in voices well divulged, free, learned and valiant, and in dimension and the shape of nature, a gracious person. But yet I cannot love him. He might have took his answer long ago. If I did love you in my master's flame with such a suffering, such a deadly life, in your denial I would find no sense. I would not understand it. Why? What would you? Make me a willow cabin at your gate and call upon my soul within the house. Write loyal cantons of contemned love and sing them loud even in the dead of night. Hallow your name to the reverberate hills and make the babbling gossip of the air cry out, Olivia, oh, you should not rest between the elements of air and earth, but you should pity me. You might do much. What is your parentage? Above my fortunes, yet my state is well. I am a gentleman. Get you to your lord. I cannot love him. Let him send no more. Unless, perchance, you come to me again to tell me how he takes it. Fare you well. I thank you for your pains. Spend this for me. I am no feed-post lady. Keep your purse. My master, not myself, lacks recompense. Love make his heart a flint, that you shall love. And let your fervour, like my master's be, placed in contempt. Farewell, fair cruelty. What is your parentage? Above my fortune, yet my state is well. I'm a gentleman. I'll be sworn thou art... Thy tongue, thy face, thy limbs, action and spirit, do give thee fivefold blazon. Not too fast, soft, soft. Unless the master were the man, how now? Even so quickly may one catch the plague? Methinks I feel this youth's perfection, with an invisible and subtle stealth to creep in at mine eyes. Well, let it be. What ho, Malvolio? Here, madam, at your service. Run after that same peevish messenger, the county's man. He left his ring behind him. Would I or not? Tell him I'll none of it. Desire him not to flatter with his lord, nor hold him up with hopes. I am not for him. If that the youth will come this way tomorrow, I'll give him reason for it. Hi, dee, Malvolio. Madam, I will. I do, I know not what, and fear to find. Mine eye too great a flatterer for my mind. Fate, show thy force. Ourselves we do not owe. What is degreed must be, and be this so. Stepping into Shakespeare Twelfth Night is produced by Therese Tulliad.
and Sarah Lynn Dawson. Directed and cast by Matthew Brenner. Audio engineering by Tim Bond. We would like to thank the Swiss Cultural Institute for their support of our podcast. We'd also like to thank the Swiss Church London and Francesco Sesto for his logistical support during our event.